This is the Fighting Irish Faithful Podcast. We're here to get serious. We just defeated Purdue, pissed all over their stupid drum. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes of the schedule here. Up next, your Fighting Irish are facing off against the Wisconsin Badgers in Chicago. And then we have multiple games, the real meat of the schedule, coming up right after that. So buckle in. This is where it gets serious, Fighting Irish Faithful. No time for playing. No time for jokes. Okay, we'll joke around a little bit because we'd like to have fun on this podcast. But here we go. Pour yourself a drink. Sit back. Relax. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is spinning Open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Somehow, the Irish did it. Out of the pack, 30-35. Goodbye, baby. At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10. Five-five rocket touchdown, Irish. Zimikowski looking for a block. Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45-50. Up to the 45-40. 30, one man to beat. 20, 15, 10. He's down to the five. Touchdown, Irish. What is going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Joe is back in the house. Yes, all alone, all by myself, all by myself. Yeah, it's just me tonight, uh, but I did bring along the old college shirt here. If you recall from last week, there was mention of a really old uh, t-shirt I had in college, something about lubrication, fiction, and wear wearing that but it is also a green shirt which is fitting with the uh green out that notre dame had here so uh yes i believe uh the top 10 reasons to date an engineer one of them is lubrication friction and wear is really a a class welcome to the fighting irish faithful show if you're new welcome this is a uh kind place a nice place uh where we drink scotch and we talk about Notre Dame football. Hello, cheers, welcome. Um, Playtime is over though. Notre Dame just beat the crap out of Purdue. Okay, we didn't beat the crap out of them. We won by a noticeable margin. We covered the spread, but I'm getting ahead of myself. First off, you can find me on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish on YouTube or Spotify, iTunes, all those places. Just search for Fighting Irish Faithful. I come right up. You see an Irish flag and a leprechaun. And uh, let's do this. I'm really fired up this week um, for this podcast. We have moved through what feels like the preseason, even though it is the regular season. But let's face it, Florida State is crap. They're terrible. They're 0-3. Um, Toledo is Toledo. They're a Mac team and Purdue. They're like our little brother that's down the street. Um, that is a good smart school. I like Purdue. I respect Purdue, but really they're an annoyance and their drum. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. So I'm really fired up. And it's also because Iron Maiden also released their latest new album. Yes. Iron Maiden is still making music. It's hard to believe they're gaining my respect as the years go on because they keep making music and it still keeps sounding good. But, uh, that was not Iron Maiden. What you heard before, uh, they will come in, uh, probably if the season gets darker, but usually if we don't play Iron Maiden, the season is going well. Okay, let's move on. So Notre Dame beats Purdue 27 to 13. 
that game kind of was back and forth a little bit, but then by the time we hit the fourth quarter, I really calmed down, eased into it. Um, you know, the game was really not in doubt by the time we hit the fourth quarter. So I was very confident when we got to that point. Now, my brother, who was on the show last week, uh, bro, you can find him also on Twitter at RedSnapper9098. That's RedSnapper9098. And he called that Notre Dame would win by 14 points. Now, off air, I talked to him and I said, hey, man, I'm really concerned about this. I don't see Notre Dame beating Purdue. I fully admit I thought we were going to lose, and that's because of the performance. I'm an evidence-based person, and looking at the numbers, looking at what Purdue was doing, look, looking at how Notre Dame was doing and their dysfunction on offense and defense and certain other categories that I talked about last week and weeks previous, I, I thought we were going to screw the pooch at home against Purdue, and I'm very, very happy that I was wrong. So beginning of the game, you know, not three minutes into it, Tariko starts mentioning the stupid drum situation that you saw all over Twitter and ND Nation and all these other places. Um, but it was very clear that Tariko was being very sarcastic about the entire drum situation. So anyway, want to give a shout out to the brother. You called it 14 point victory. West Coast Irish. Uh, if you have any bets you're going to be placing this week or anyone reach out to him, maybe he can crystal ball, uh, your, uh, sports book, you know, if a sports, maybe we should get a sports book to sponsor this show Then I think, uh, then we could do a lot more other fun things, but anyway, yeah, Notre Dame did a really good job. We held Purdue to under 14 points under two touchdowns. That's slightly above what national champions tend to do especially to baby seal teams that they like to play or the little brother team, what have you. But if we came to you beginning of the game last week and said, hey, Purdue is not going to score more than 14 points, you'd be feel, feeling really good about yourself. And that is what happened here. We covered the spread, the, sev- the, pre- the spread was seven points. Say that 10 times fast. And Kyle Hamilton, Green Power Ranger. I must have had at least three Green Power Ranger tweets. Anything from... Monster hit, almost injuring a player, which was not targeting. Um, It was perfectly legal. I don't like seeing anyone get hurt, but still, they had to cart the guy off. But the Green Power Ranger, well, you know, shit happens, right? He was created by an evil witch, but he serves Our Lady. So here we go. He had one more interception and multiple tackles, fourth and one, whatever. So Green Power Ranger did well. Isaiah Foskey, he is the shit. He is the man. He, he did such a great job. Very impactful game. And Kurt Heinisch also getting in there. I want to give a shout out to those guys. But the toast this week is going out to our defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. Coach, you finally, I think, did it uh, three weeks in. <laughs> but I guess those first two games were warm-ups, even though they're not very impressive teams. But... Uh, just as West Coast Irish said last week, how you know he's kind of easing into it, easing into his coaching as the defensive coordinator. He's getting it done right now, and the toast is to you, Coach Freeman, holding Purdue to under two touchdowns. It's what you should do, but it's also noticeable improvement. And the main thing that I bitched about last week was the big plays. No big plays. 
No big major long runs, no long passes, none of that against Purdue, and that's what we needed, and that is what held the line and allowed our offense to get into rhythm and defeat the Boilermakers of Purdue. So to Coach Freeman, cheers to you. A few other comments I want to talk about is Drew Brees. Now, I was concerned about this game because clearly he's a Purdue guy. He's Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer. I don't know. Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? I don't know. He's been out of the NFL really quick. I don't I don't get that. How you go to the NFL, you do well, and then everyone knows you're good, and then but it takes like 10 years, and then all of a sudden, oh, now we'll put you in the Hall of Fame. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, I don't really watch the NFL, so someone else can educate me on that, why that works. And then they get a gold jacket. Does anyone notice that? It's kind of like the Masters, but Masters is green jacket, gold jacket for the NFL. I think in Happy Gilmore, the movie, they got gold jackets. I don't know. Whatever. But Drew Brees... I'm actually kind of liking him in the booth because he seemed very neutral, very balanced. Uh, he did not show favoritism to Purdue, which I enjoyed. Um, you kind of just kind of forget that he is even there with Tariko. You know, it's just you're watching the game and you're focused on the game and you're not letting personality get in the way. I liked Mike Mayock, because I actually learned something, but his personality was just too out there. He was too loud in the booth. You know, I'm using air quotes here, but he also was not as annoying as Flutie. Flutie was just annoying. He's like vanilla ice cream that you water down. I mean, Doug Flutie was, oh, yeah, they're just really got to do better. Oh, thanks, Doug Flutie. Yeah, yes, they just got scored on. Of course, they have to do better. Like, Flutie was nonsense, but Drew Brees, I'm actually enjoying him to an extent. Um, and I think he's a nice guy. I think he's doing a good job. So I am looking forward to this week though. We're going to get Gus and the whole Fox crew doing Notre Dame's game, uh, for the broadcast on the, the big noon kickoff, which, you know, I'm not going to bitch about the noon game. Cause I'll get a lot of stuff done later in the afternoon or I'll get nothing done. Cause I'm completely hammered and you know, here we are, but Either way, it's going to go one of two ways, but I'm happy with the Fox crew that will be doing the broadcast. And, and Gus, I love that guy. If we get him and Tariko, uh, I'm, I'm on board. So, But one of the best things about Notre Dame beating Purdue is I get to gloat this win again over my coworkers. I work in a uh, manufacturing technology engineering company i'll just stay there my coworkers. i work with a lot of purdue grads and i just want to print out a picture of their stupid drum the purdue big drum which is not the biggest drum in the world i think there's one in like thailand or japan or china or something but anyway i want to print out a picture of the drum and then sign it and initial it with the score of the game and put it on their desk tomorrow morning before they get in. I think I might, I might do that just to troll them. But um, yeah, to all of my coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Purdue sucks. Go Irish. And you know, I'm really glad, but one thing that's really weird about my coworkers is I asked one of them, I said to the guy, I'm not going to name his name. But I said to him, hey, man, what's the deal? Why do Purdue grads, or you specifically, why do you not like Notre Dame? And he looked at me, 
very serious, and he turned and said, quietly under his breath, you wouldn't even begin to understand. And I was floored hearing that. I'm like, geez, what is this, ISIS? I mean, I don't think Notre Dame's that bad. I mean, they're kind of expensive, and there's a lot of arrogance to them. But, I mean, whatever, you know. So, either way, I'm happy that Notre Dame won this game. I get to gloat over my coworkers. It's kind of like when Notre Dame beats Pitt, I get to gloat that over my brother-in-law. So, hey, yay for me. But, uh, hey, we we ran that damn drum out of town um, at the end of the game when Notre Dame clearly has it in the bag. Uh, the Purdue band is wrapping this like black tarp over it. And I saw on Twitter, someone said they're putting the drum in a body bag. <laughs> I, I just thought that was great. So um, I was really hoping that Notre Dame just to troll Purdue would make like a giant inflatable drum or like one made out of wood and, and plastic or something. And they would just like run out of the tunnel and run through the drum kind of like animal from the Muppets and the electric mayhem. He just jumped through the drum. I wanted Notre Dame to do that, but that's just my crazy sick mind. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if I was the athletic director, no opponent would ever bring their band into Notre Dame. I mean, as much as I love golden Tate flying into the Michigan state band and that image, I would love to get a, a picture of that with golden Tate you know, signing it um, and put that on the, on the wall here, the studio. I really think that Notre Dame should create their stadium to be the most hostile environment possible. We already have the skinny tunnel, no giant drums that don't fit in the, fit in the tunnel, no band, no none of that, you know. Um, okay, maybe cheerleaders. We're allowed cheerleaders, okay, because, you know, we want to be nice in that respect. But... If it was my choice, we would create the most hostile environment possible where fans don't even want to come there, but they want to come because it's Notre Dame and, you know, whatever. So I kind of wonder why Notre Dame took a hard stance. Um, wife, the docs, she said to me, you know, this is petty. Why are they not laying the drum? And I'm like, no, hey, this is your house, right? If you if you're one of those homes that says, hey, you come in, that's fine, but take your shoes off. And that's how our house is. But take your shoes off when you come in. You should be nice, and you should respect the house that you're visiting, okay? Same thing here. Hey, no drums that don't fit in the skinny tunnel. So so get the hell out with your, your drum and, and park it over by the, the women's softball field, okay? Because that's actually where it was parked. But So maybe there's a tiff between Notre Dame's athletic director and Purdue's athletic director, and it's just a way to stick it to them and, and twist the knife that says, oh, yeah, your band can come but not your drum, not the thing that makes your band, uh, in, you know, noticeable or, or recognized. I also heard on another podcast that the drum was not present the last time Purdue played at Notre Dame Stadium, which was in 2012. So that was interesting. So why is Purdue and all this, all these people complaining about this thing made national media news? I saw articles on ESPN, whatever. It clearly made the NBC broadcast. At the end of the day, what does this prove? It Purdue, it proves that Purdue is a bunch of whiny bitches, okay? They really are. They're crying and whining about a drum, all right? It's a drum, okay? Either it's in or it's out. You're a visitor in our stadium. 
our rules are the rules. You're going to follow them, all right? Notre Dame doesn't let animals in. You know, if Georgia shows up with their bulldog or, you know, uh, Navy with their goat, if they played Colorado, the giant buffalo would not run out. That kind of stuff. It's not going to happen, okay? So respect the rules of the place you're visiting. I'm sure there's rules in Soldier Field where Notre Dame is going to be playing Wisconsin this week. And whatever those are, I don't know what they are. Uh, but hey, those are the rules you're going to follow. But if Notre Dame is trying to make it a more hostile environment, they still have work to do for two reasons. Number one, and this is to all the fans and all the players, not the players, all the students who are out there, stop doing the stupid wave in the crowd. Stop doing the wave. I'm sick of seeing it when it's a close game. Hey, if we're up by 21, three scores, whatever, okay, the game is pretty much in hand, then do the wave. I got no problem with that. But if it is a close game like it was, Notre Dame was up by four points. I looked at the scoreboard, and there was five minutes left in the third quarter, and we were doing the wave. Stop it. Why are you doing the wave? These are people who clearly do not care about the success of the football team. They're just there for social and for having fun. Maybe they care about Notre Dame winning and they, they want to win. But what kind of passionate fan base is doing the wave when you're only beating Purdue by four points in the third quarter? Stop it. Okay. Item two, the green out. It was okay. All right. But here's the problem. It's daytime. It's 2.30 nap time. Everyone's hungover still or still wasted from the tailgate, and that's fine. But why are you doing a green out versus Purdue in the afternoon? I, I really don't get that. Um, I mean, Kelly looked on point with his you know green polo, but the team didn't even wear green. So what's the point of the fans calling for his massive green out all over social media with Notre Dame people? And I see pictures of people wearing their green stuff. And hey, that's fine. I mean, I always wear a green hat and a green shirt when I watch the game. That's just me. Not because someone said, hey, there's a green out. Like if there was a navy blue out, which I don't think they would do. But if there was a navy blue out, I'd probably still wear my green. Okay. But let's look at another school that does this really well. Two schools. First, Penn State. Penn State does it right. They did the whiteout. It was a giant freakout. I mean, like, it's impressive. You know, 100,000 people with the white pom-poms, white t-shirts. That's impressive. And it's a night game, so you get the contrast of the dark sky with, with the white crowd and the lights and all that. It really pops, okay? Then, Georgia. Georgia, everyone's wearing red. Red is kind of an intimidating, quote, angry color. Georgia does it right everyone's wearing red and that's probably every Georgia home game which is why they probably have a really good good home field advantage down there in the SEC so Penn State Georgia doing it right Notre Dame don't do a green out for Purdue on an afternoon game it's just silly do it for a night game do it for your rival USC do it for a night game later in the season, I think against North Carolina or something, okay? Do that, not afternoon, do it at night, and then have the team actually wear green, all right? 
what's the point if the team isn't wearing green? Just my opinion. In other positive news, though, USC. They fired Clay Helton, which is kind of surprising. Two games into the season, they get the shit kicked out of them by Stanford and USC fires Clay Helton. And I'm kind of scratching my head saying, why are they doing this now? Why didn't they do this at the end of last season? Clearly, someone had some thoughts. And if it was the offseason, maybe in the whole coaching carousel, you could have gotten someone else. And I'm not going to name names here because that's not what this show's about. But why did USC wait till two games into the season to fire their coach? They've got three more months of football, and now they got the interim coach. Unless they're going to get some guy who's not in the NFL, like a Jeff Fisher or someone like that that's an alum. And I don't think Jeff Fisher is going to go to USC, for example. But USC's had like five coaches in the time that Kelly has been there. So I'm not going to do that analysis. We'll do that for the USC week. But that was worthy of note mentioning here tonight that USC fired their coach. Their program is in the shitter, and we love seeing that. Other news outside of South Bend, BYU versus Notre Dame in Vegas 2022. Now, you can't set your calendars yet, but you can start saving up your frequent flyer miles. So, yes, I came on this podcast and said that Notre Dame needed to play Boise State or needed to play Oregon. And I actually looked at that being a possibility. Uh, Real quick, Boise and Oregon, both for 2022, have their non-conference games scheduled with dates and everything. And then all of their conference games, though, of course, are available, quote-unquote, but they're not actually scheduled. So... There were four weekends in 2022 that Notre Dame did not have scheduled yet. October 1st, October 8th, October 29th, and November 19th. And all four of those dates were covered by Boise State and Oregon already. So that was not a possibility. Now, BYU does have the 1st or the 8th of October available And uh, this is kind of the rumor we have. And I imagine Notre Dame will want to buy October 29th because on November 5th, they're playing Clemson again at home. And why would you have a buy on the 19th? Notre Dame at this point does not have two games scheduled with dates. That is Boston College and Syracuse. Um, And I'm sure the Raiders schedule at their stadium, at Allegiant Stadium, um, still has to be determined. But if I'm going to – I read an article this evening – it was about a week old, and it was saying that most likely October 8th would be the Notre Dame versus BYU game in Vegas. So get your frequent flyer miles ready. Get ready to add to cart your uh, Southwest Airlines or whatever uh, to go to Vegas. And I'm calling on everyone to stay at the Golden Nugget. It only makes sense to stay at Fremont Street, which is totally fun. Fremont is awesome. Old school Vegas. Uh, the strip is cool too, you know, but it's expensive as hell and Fremont can be too. But anyway, so is gambling. Gambling's expensive, you know, um, and Notre Dame is expensive. Wow. A common theme here, <laughs> but Notre Dame versus BYU. Um, it's not this podcast's 
first choice of opponent. But you know what? Playing a game in Vegas, pretty awesome. So uh, hopefully we can get out there and maybe we'll do a live show from the Golden Nugget. Uh, I've got uh, some wheels to grease and some people to talk to to get that going. One last bit, since we're on the BYU subject, they announced that they will be joining the Big 12 along with Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Um, I'm not really going to talk about the conference thing. Um, I have my personal opinion that Notre Dame should join a conference. We're not going to talk about that tonight. Uh, you can go back to an older episode of the podcast justifying why I feel Notre Dame should join a conference. Go back to episode one. All right. Now, Wisconsin, Shamrock Series, College Game Day, Chicago. This is where the schedule gets serious. Notre Dame is undefeated in all their Shamrock Series. Anything from Boston College and Fenway to Miami and Soldier Field, Purdue and Lucas Oil, down in Texas against Arizona State or Army, what have you. Notre Dame has never, ever lost one of their Shamrock Series games. Now, I have mixed opinions about the Shamrock Series. You know, recruits love it. We get a new fun uniform. This uniform, I'm a little unimpressed. Now, I'm not a Bears fan, but if you were a Bears fan, uh, you would probably like these jerseys. Uh, It's kind of like when Notre Dame played at Yankee Stadium against Syracuse, uh, very Yankee-ish. These are very Bears-ish. But this is Notre Dame's biggest test of the season. This right here, mark your calendars, red highlighter, whatever. Notre Dame has only a 36% chance of winning this game based on what TeamRankings.com is giving us. We are a underdog by six points against the Badgers. Now, the last time Notre Dame played in this stadium was in 2012 versus Miami, where Notre Dame beat the shit out of them 41-3. to And I actually liked those jerseys. Those are the ones with the helmet with a leprechaun on one side and gold on the other. And I know a lot of people hate that. I actually like that one. Maybe it's because I kind of like the Steelers helmet, where it's got the Steelers logo on one side and nothing on the other. That's kind of my opinion. But this game and then our next four opponents after that All of them have buys. Wisconsin has a buy right now. The following week, Cincinnati right now has this week off, and they just beat IU. Cincinnati will have a buy. Then Vatek, and so on and so forth. Notre Dame needs to come prepared for this game. Granted, they only have about an 80-minute bus ride to Soldier Field from South Bend, but my point is this. This is where it gets serious. Jack Cohn, our starting quarterback, he used to be a Wisconsin Badger. He's got some bad blood. This is a team he literally left, transferred to Notre Dame. You know he wants to beat the Badgers. And you also know that the Badgers want to beat the crap out of him. So we should be extra juiced just as Cohn will be for this game. We will be okay in this game if we do what myself and West Coast Irish said last week, we need to power run and three-step drop throw passes. Don't do any of this zone read shit. Throw screens. Screen passes work well, okay? 
Wisconsin is a very, very good team. They're very disciplined. And we'll talk about their details in a minute. But Notre Dame's success is going to be in the slip screens. And it's going to be in the power run. Go back to this game, Notre Dame fans. Kyron Williams finally gets a long touchdown. A long rushing touchdown. How did he do that? It was a power run between the tackles. Okay? We didn't do any of this Zod Reed shit. We didn't do this option crap. Cone is not built that way. Kyron Williams wants the ball. He is fast and quick as hell. Hand him the ball and he can get through it. I know our offensive line is struggling, but if we know the count and it's a quick play with no zone read crap, all right, we're going to get it done. This is how you defeat this team. Know your assignment, make a call, make a call at the line of scrimmage and just run the play. Don't do any of the zone read crap, okay? That's passive, passive football. We don't need passive football here. We need smash mouth, run it down their throat, power running. Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams have the ability to go and do this. So what are we waiting for? Let's not get in their way. Now the receivers on the passing game need to catch the damn ball. First touch Catch the ball. Stop letting it hit your hands. We we should have won by more than what we did. Okay, we should have had more touchdowns. Catch the ball. Do not let it just hit your hands and bounce off. If it's within arm's reach, you dive for it. I don't care. I want to see someone sacrifice. As Rod Tidwell used to say and Jerry Maguire, get killed, catch the ball. Touchdown, booyah, I make miracles happen. That's the kind of crap we need to do. This is the game that really matters, Irish fans. This is the game. If we win this game, it will set the tone for the next five, which is the most difficult part of our schedule. If we lose this game, this next five games seem very, very difficult. Okay? So we need to make a stand, make the statement, now this is not an easy task i'm gonna get real dark and gloomy here there are things wisconsin does very very well and they're very well when you compare them to notre dame first running the football they run the ball 66 percent of the time notre dame only runs it 51 percent of the time they have five rushing touchdowns in two games. We only have three in three games. And they are 10th in the country in rushing offense. We are 115th. It's absolutely atrocious with our two running backs. And I think it's because we've been misutilizing them. And the pl it's more of a play calling situation. Yes, our offensive line is poor compared to previous years but the point is we need to use their strengths and we talked about this last week time of possession wisconsin is number one in the country of time of possession notre dame not so much notre dame is 82nd so when we get the ball we need to score and our defense has to get quick three and outs it's the only way we're going to overcome this Okay, if they hold the ball all game, Notre Dame, we're in trouble. This cannot be a low-scoring game. If we make it higher scoring 
And I'm not saying it has to be a Big 12 party with chips and salsa and queso here with with points, you know, left and right here like we're Texas Tech or Baylor. No, but we do need a higher scoring game because that plays into our strengths as a football team better. Wisconsin's defense is very good. Their passing defense is 23rd. Notre Dame's is 84th. Their third down defense is fourth in the country. We are 67th. Their rush defense is number one, and we are 76th. So we have a lot of things to cover here. Total defense, they're number two in the country. We're 81st. Scoring defense, the most important defensive category. They're 11th in the country. Grant, they've only played two games, but we are 84th. These are... Very, very convincing defensive and running game stats that have made Wisconsin and Paul Christ very well known. Now I'm going to get darker here, Notre Dame fans. There was a period when Notre Dame wasn't doing so hot under Brian Kelly. And he was pissing me off in 2016. And I honestly felt he should have been fired. Paul Christ has been at Wisconsin now. This is his seventh season. Last year, he was four and three. But this guy is two and three in BCS Bowls. He won a Cotton Bowl in 2016, won the Orange Bowl in 2017, and lost by one point to Oregon in 2019 in the Rose Bowl. He's two and three. Kelly is 0 and three, 0 and four in big big games. It, it's It's terrible. Paul Chris has a better record at Wisconsin. He is 74% win percentage versus Kelly's 72.9% win percentage. Now, as his career, it's not as good as Kelly, but that's because Paul Chris for three seasons was at Pitt where he had a 500 win percentage and then he was hired at Wisconsin. But in those years, in 2012 and 2013, he faced Kelly you all know what happened there. We barely eked out a win in 2012 in three overtimes. And we did lose at Pitt in 2013. So Kelly has faced this guy before. Sagarin has them as the higher ranking team and their higher strength of schedule. Now the AP and the coaches poll are giving Notre Dame more love. But that doesn't change the fact that Paul Christ is an excellent football coach so much to the point that in 2016 when i thought kelly should have been fired i went on a crusade in the spring and the summer trying to figure out who would be a potential replacement now i knew my effort was not was going to be in vain because notre dame was going to keep kelly and they just gave him a sweetheart deal or what have you but my point is i looked at coaches with high win percentages and how they were best utilizing their talent, their recruiting rankings, and then took a difference between their Sagarin average ranking over four years and their recruiting ranking for four years, took the difference, and then which coach is doing the most with the least, if that makes sense. Now, this is really old data, but I still have it here in the spreadsheets, and I knew it would come up one day. And here it is. At the time I made this data, this must have been 2017, the spring. 
Ken Niamatololo of Navy was the number one coach on the list with best win percentage minus worst talent. And he 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 clearly is doing the best with the least. Now, Ken Niamatololo is not going to leave Navy. Number two on the list was Brian Harson at Boise State, who now is at Auburn, who just had a dogfight battle at Penn State. Now, unfortunately, he lost, but Brian Harson at Boise State was number two on that list for doing the most with the least. Third on that list was Paul Christ. He had an average recruiting ranking of 42 and an average Sagan ranking of 15. Also, he had two New Year's Six Bowls, just came off his second one. He was two for two in big bowls. Okay, and he had been at many Big Ten championship game appearances. Okay, and then after that, the, the, the rankings went down. So for a brief period, Fighting Irish Faithful, I was saying to myself, Paul Christ is probably one of the best coaches Notre Dame could have gotten to fire Kelly and to go get based off of doing the most with the least amount of resources and impressive wins. And he is the top of the top as far as doing that and having a track record of success in big bowl games. Now, Paul Chris is not leaving Wisconsin. He's a Wisconsin guy through and through. He went there. He's from there. He was born in Madison, right? So he's not going anywhere. And we have Kelly. And Kelly is a good coach. So I want to turn this around to the brighter side of things now that we've been all dark and gloomy here. Notre Dame can win this game. And I actually do think they will win this game. I just got a message from my brother. West Coast Irish thinks Notre Dame is going to win by four points. Here's why Notre Dame is going to win the game. What Notre Dame does well, they do much more well, much better. They do much better than Wisconsin. From least important to most important, passing yards. Notre Dame is passing very well with Jack Cohen, which is kind of fun because this used to be the Wisconsin quarterback, and now he's ours, so neener, neener, neener. Red zone scoring. Notre Dame is 100% scoring in the red zone. Field goals, touchdowns, doesn't matter. We are 100%. Every time we've been in the red zone, we have scored. Wisconsin, they're second to last. They're 128th, okay, third to last. 128th in the country, 50% in the red zone. So good job, Irish. Tackles for loss and sacks. This is probably one of the best features of our defensive game. Notre Dame is averaging right now eight tackles for loss and 4.3 sacks per game. 16th and 5th respectively versus 55th and 63rd respectively for Wisconsin. Turnover margin. Notre Dame is plus two on the year. Wisconsin, minus three for ranked 111th. Notre Dame has nine passing touchdowns this year. We're ranked 12th in the country. Wisconsin, zero. They have no passing touchdowns. They're ranked 127th, tied with whomever in the country. Scoring offense. Notre Dame averages 33 points a game. Wisconsin, only 22 points. And total touchdowns, Notre Dame has scored 12, so an average of four a game. Wisconsin's only scored five touchdowns, two and a half a game. But the most important thing, what do I talk about here? 
Fighting Irish Faithful. Yards per point. The efficiency of our offense versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin, 20.07. Notre Dame, 12.24. It's the best it's been all season, and it probably has something to do with, with efficient passing despite the fact that our receivers are dropping the ball. But Notre Dame's efficiency, their yards per point, that coupled with the number of touchdowns that we score, our ability. We are so explosive. We're so electric. We don't even know it yet, Irish. With our running backs and our receivers, if our line can just hold for three seconds to give these guys the ball, give these playmakers in space the opportunity to get the ball, we will defeat Wisconsin. I think Notre Dame is due for a breakout game. If we can get out of our own way, no big plays on defense, sound fundamental defense, okay, with good tackling, and then quick strike offensive. I'm not going to say a West Coast offense, but we need legit offense that is quick, decisive, and effective. At the end of the day, this is where the shit gets real, okay? I don't want the shit hitting the fan, but this is where the shit gets real. This is like Bad Boys, right? Michael Bay movie, stand up slowly, montage kind of stuff. Shit just got real. This is the game. Get serious. If you have any ritual about hats you wear, shirts you dry clean, food you eat, drinks you pound, Irish car bombs, I don't care. This is the game you do do it for clear your schedule the games earlier in the game the, the the games earlier in the day this is where you have to bring your a game fans if you're going to the game don't do the damn wave in soldier field they sell alcohol at soldier field go get shit face and then go to the game and drink it up and Cheer your hearts out. The team needs as much support as they could possibly get. Kelly just hit 105 wins. He's tied Newt Rockney. Now, I'm not going to start comparing him to Rockney because I think that's silly. But you need to mean it, dude. You're in a position now to be the most winning coach of all of Notre Dame history. You will be remembered for that. You need to have this game be against Wisconsin, the team that is most likely to beat you this year. But on paper, there are things you do well, better than Wisconsin, that you must capitalize on. What though the odds be great or small, I want Notre Dame to win overall. We must beat Wisconsin. No playing around. We're not messing around anymore. This is where we get it done. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. I know this was really intense earlier in the season, but, hey, I didn't make the schedule. Jack Swarbuck did, all right? Get out there. Get prepped this week. Clear your schedules on Saturday. Go Irish. Beat the shit out of the Badgers.